This is a Dece World production in association with Pants Pending Studios. Malakine, everyone. What's up? This is Deese, the host of The Social Hour, and I am here to talk about a brand new show I'm doing called The Dollar Band Podcast. It is a comic book review show where I take obscure, crappy dollar bin comics and tell you if they really are crappy or if they're hidden gems. Plus, we review a new trade paperback every week. Some kind of obscure, random stuff, and we make fun of Rob Liefeld a lot. So pack up that nerd rage, crawl out of your parents' basement long enough to take a listen to an episode, and use the Wi-Fi that they pay for in the cell phone plan that you're on. New episodes every Friday at DeeseComedy.com. They're not PC So if occasional foul language turns you off Then you have all been warned This is the call before the storm This is what happens when you don't die from syphilis anymore Get ready for the social hour This is the Social Hour. On today's show, comedian Lars Soderlin. And now your host. Last weekend, a cowboy called him partner, and now he finally understands the movie Brokeback Mountain. Discussius. Malabkeen, everyone, welcome to the show. This is the Social Hour. I am Dees. Thanks for coming around. We have a great episode planned, as always, guys. I say that every episode, and I mean it every episode, because every episode has been fantastic. This one is going to be especially fun. We have comedian and podcaster Lars Soderlund on the show. We're going to talk about all kinds of fun stuff. Before we get into that, guys, make sure you go to DeesComedy.com. Uh, follow us on social media, Deese.comedy on Instagram, The Social Hour on Facebook, all kinds of stuff. Uh, we have a lot of things happening. More podcasts. Live shows are back. Uh, if you're in the Northwest, we got a ton of live shows. Social Hour Comedy is coming to a town near you. Uh, we will be in Montana, all over Spokane, Lewiston, Wenatchee, uh, Moses Lake, uh, other places. Check it out. Go to the website. Just go to the calendar. See what's going on. Uh, if you are in Spokane also, guys, we've got a bunch of stuff coming up. Uh, every Thursday, we'll be doing a show with the Bing Theater. Uh, that's going to be happening. And every other weekend at the Black Diamond in Spokane Valley. So if you guys are in the local area, that's uh, great shows to check out. We've got headliners from all over the country we're bringing in. It's going to be a good time. Um, someone asked me the other day how... Uh, What's up with the Dollar Man podcast? And it's coming back, guys. Don't worry. Uh, it has never left. It's just I've been busy. Things opened up, and it was like, hey, guess what? We're doing comedy every night again, and Daddy's got to get paid. So I've been doing that. But it is coming back. I got a new episode coming. Uh, should be out this Friday. 
and uh, so check check it out, guys. Uh, also, be sure to follow our sponsor, Blue Spot Comics, your great online source for new and back issue comic books, rare variants, number ones, trade paperbacks, vintage Star Wars collectibles, and much, much more. Follow them at Blue Spot Comics on Facebook and Instagram. They have daily deals. And if you're looking for something specific, message them, let them know. They probably can get it for you. All right, guys, uh, that's it for the heavy lifting, the commercials, all that jazz. Let's get into it. Please welcome our guest, Lars Soderlund. If you uh, if if that's what you cultivate an audience is on OnlyFans and then you have do a live show, man, those people every you're, you're not going to hear any cheering because everyone's gonna be wearing gimp masks uh, and have ball gags in. You're not going to know what to do. Yeah. Well, you can, yeah you you would have to create a new genre called like refractory period comedy, right? Where it's like you just have to catch people post climax. Yeah. <laughs> Pre, but, yeah. you know, re-energization. Then, so a live show, I have no idea. You'd right. have to have stands around or something. Post-coital comedy. <laughs> uh, come for the fun. Spelled spelled <laughs> spelled the wrong way or the right That's way, depending right. on how you look at it. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that that could be a whole other. Uh, it's gonna happen eventually. I mean, I know that there's. Well, where are you located? You're located in Portland, right? We're, in, or, we're or, close. We're in Salem. Salem. So You're that's in, like. Yeah, so we kind of have a footprint down to Eugene a little bit, and then up to Portland. There's little towns around that kind of thing. Yeah, the uh, there used to be, I mean, before the world shut down, but I believe I think it was in Portland. There was this show, this comedy show, live stand-up show where people would do their sets naked. Yeah. Um, the comic strip. That's what it was. Yeah, what a fucking, <laughs> yeah. Uh, what a obvious name. Uh, a little on the nose, not what I would have gone with, but it gets the point across. I think it's pretty right. direct. Um, yeah. You know, maybe, yeah, like I said, two on the nose. Uh, yeah, the, oh. the comic strip, that's right. And you, you know, which is a weird, I mean, there's, uh, trust me, I've been doing comedy long enough where you can, there's a lot of formats and a lot of uh, gimmicks you yeah. use to make a show different ideally but getting naked doesn't seem like a benefit um, <laughs> for anyone involved yeah. i mean yeah i just don't i don't get it i don't see it i don't know what about you know my dick hanging out would make <laughs> my jokes better and or I, worse i think it all depends on the genitals right like if you've got funny by the way i don't want to anyway uh if you've got funny genitals, I think it becomes a jumping off point for improv, right? But I think if you've just got straight ahead, normal genitals, other than yeah. the awkwardness of the situation. But, the, you know, the funny thing is the comic strip is one of many nudity and sex-based shows that are comedic in the greater Portland area. Sure. Like there's another one like a popular venue became this sex club. Yeah. And I don't think yeah. that was the same, you know, it's just, there's some, there's a swingers club in Salem. I think people are doing stand up at, I, uh, it's not my scene entirely. There's a number. Yeah. There's a number of shows in that area that do, yeah. Like swingers clubs and they, they do comedy and it's like, Hey, hang around. You might be able to fist someone after the show. And it's like, <laughs> uh, 
Oh, man. Exactly we're, right. in a, we're in a world. We're in a, we're just coming out of a global pandemic. I don't think now is the time to. There's not enough Purell to have me fist a stranger. Um, and, and then, and you yet, know. And yet people are, I mean, talk about diving in, right? I mean, people are ready to just go for it. Plus, they're so pleasure starved. I yeah. bet, like, to have a place where you can combine two different types of pleasure, that seems. <laughs> Like a gold mine. Well, you know, I mean, when it is uh, uh, that sewer rat mentality, you know, if you, <laughs> if you if you have everything, you don't have anything, right? You just roll That's around great. in the dirt long enough and build that immunity. You're good, you know? That's great. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, I do think about that, you know, like there's that whole like, what era would you want to live in, you know? Like if you were, if you could live in another period. And I feel like there are artistic periods where the only, the people who are really having fun lived for like 20 years oh, right yeah. like you know paris in the 20s and new york in the 60s it was like right if you want to hang out with andy warhol and you're not an incredible artist you're gonna have some sort of disease right like right. there's no way <laughs> we may be re-entering a period like that yeah. like you know you may my, next time you see me i'll be like yeah god i did all those nudity shows and i'm really feeling it I right don't know. i've got testicle coronavirus now i don't even know what that <laughs> means but it's not good i'm sure ECV, uh, it's real. Yeah, the, uh, I've always said if I could live in a when people ask me if you know if you go to another time, I always say the future. No one says the future. <laughs> I I say twenty three twenty nine. That's what I want to go to. I don't know why. I just think give us about you know three hundred and uh, one years, and uh, I want to see what's going on. I yeah. don't, I don't know if it's gonna be better. I just I just want to know where we're headed. Yeah, and even if it's just you. Just on a barren nuclear landscape, <laughs> which most likely man. it would be, and like <laughs> dinosaurs would be back somehow. We'd be like, "Well, we we made them, we cloned them, we got them back." I don't know if that's how we ended up in a nuclear wasteland. And like, uh, did a stegosaurus create nuclear fusion? Is that what happened? That would be the coolest story ever. That's the kind of that's the kind of future I want for my children that I don't have. That's uh, perfect. <laughs> Oh my so God. yeah okay yeah so should we by the way should we is there anything else or are we going oh uh i mean i hit record when i start Great. but perfect. uh yeah, we let's uh let me hold on a second i want to um uh perfect <laughs> yeah. yeah get a grab a margarita and think about making money in podcasts yeah or not. it's hey i mean there's something like i heard a statistic today that like one out of every 300 people in America has a podcast now. <laughs> so 0.3% of yeah. America has a podcast. Yeah. So if you started a podcast seven years ago, you were a year too late on making money in podcasts. Wow. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> that, that could be your first tip for your, uh, for the show. Great. Yeah. Create that time machine. We talked about, go back in time, figure out how to uh, make podcasting a thing so, um, yeah you could kill hitler you could stop one of what i'm sure would have been a series of attempts on the life of jfk yeah. or you could have a podcast seven right. to ten years ago yeah, or, or it could be keith and the girl and somebody else yeah i would uh stop adam sandler from making movies after happy gilmore that's what i would do interesting that would be what my was, <laughs> except for uncut Mickey? gems uncut gems i want that was a great film um, are you sure that's not built on the pyramid that started with little Nikki? I don't know. Sure. Yeah. I think it's an unofficial sequel. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it goes in a weird direction. Uh, he's, 
I like to think that all his movies are direct sequels to the previous movie. Uh, <laughs> if you good. if you watch them like that, it brings a whole new, deeper fabric. Really, a connective universe that even the Marvel <laughs> Cinematic Universe can't can't even begin to compete with. He's he's been spanning films for thirty years now. There's complete no connection. To rival the MCU. Yeah, I always think about Punch Drunk Love, which I, like a lot of those movies at the time, I think I'd have to watch it again to see if it's actually good. But I want to say that fell between Little Nicky and, oof, I don't even know. Do you remember that period? Yeah, that was a really odd, he kind of, that was like his first foray into making a, not a comedy, but that was yeah. with... Uh, Tompkins, Tom, who made maybe Samantha Morton too, or somebody uh, who who directed that film? Oh, Paul F. Yeah, Paul no, no, F. Um, oh, yeah. not Paul F. Tompkins, but Paul Thomas Anderson. Paul yeah. Thomas Anderson, yeah. So very interesting, uh, yeah, very uh, interesting piece for for the director and for for Sanders, uh, and then he did Spanglish too around that time also, and then they're right. like. I think they're like, yeah, hey, guess what, Adam? You maybe you're not ready for this. Uh, and then he went back to doing dumb comedies until Uncut mm. Gems. But that's right. It was Every, that. The, the Spanglish was bad for everybody, right? Like, pause. I mean, some people loved it. I feel like it was kind of mainstream. But Taya Leona, people were out. Uh, Cloris Leachman, people are fine. But then Paz Vega, she was like on the up and then crash Just, after Spanglish. I think. Yeah, I man, I don't. That was such a weird time in. Mm movie it's because that had to be like late 90s right maybe yeah early 2000s something like that yeah and i feel you know him and jim carrey were trying to break out of that mold of being in these ridiculous comedies and just you know i mean what was uh the number 23 or something yes, like that that jim perfect. carrey did where yeah. the you know oh the the author's name is topsy kratz you know <laughs> You're like, what the fuck are you talking about? This is a terror, you know, it's, oh, it's top secret, top secrets. Oh, my God. A big, a big twist in the end. You're like, Jesus, man, did you have, do you? It's a, that's a thing. Like, I'm, I'm glad that we have the idea of things that are good and things that are bad and people that are good and people that are bad. I, I get that. But there's no better defense for the fact that things are shades of gray. Then the, I think that Jim Carrey was in Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, right. which I think is a masterpiece. It is very, and, very and great the film. Truman Show. Yeah, and then the number twenty three after that. Like, yeah. How do you, oh my god. Yeah, yeah, I think he was just on a roll, on a roll with these kind of uh, interesting pieces. He's like, oh, how much, uh, how far can I push this before they're like, yeah, you're done. That's uh, uh, my. So I always think about this. My, um, you know, people who have great taste can have really. Oh, bad taste. It's all relative, but okay, listen to this. So I, I, I'm, in, I'm actually a professor. I went to grad school. When I was in grad school, I had this roommate and the roommate, he got, it was right at the dawn of that Netflix versus Blockbuster era. So you can get oh, a shoot. Blockbuster subscription for nothing, yeah. right? And, and they would send you movies and they, it was incredible. If you were willing to basically be like a scab to like <laughs> go from Netflix back to Blockbuster. So he goes, and we're both in grad school. We're supposed to be real smart. Uh, anyway, I don't know if we're that smart, but I thought he, I thought he was really smart. And he goes, you know what? I'm going to watch all the movies by Martin Scorsese. And I go, wow, what good for you, man. So he watches them all from Boxcar Betty to whatever the most recent ones, Departed or something. Yeah. And then he goes, and now I'm going to watch all the movies by Johnny Depp. And I go, uh, okay, not yeah. really, you know, the <laughs> same. Yeah. He, he finishes those and he goes, 
now I'm going to watch all the movies by Cameron Diaz. I'm like, go fuck yourself. Like, I thought you were a smart <laughs> yeah, guy. What? Are you just picking randomly? <laughs> yeah, what is it? What, what, that's a weird... Uh... <laughs> that's a weird cocktail party um but like what what is what was the logic behind i mean he's like picking a director then he's picking a guy who's done some some good films some bad ones you know he's kind of been all over the place and then uh just cameron diaz where you're like what just been in fluff pieces her entire career you know yeah i mean you know he was like he'd watch like the sweetest thing and he'd be like, this movie is so bad. Like, with a surprise? I was yeah. like, dude, it's Cameron Diaz. Like, has nobody explained? I mean, whatever. Cameron Diaz, like, you know, again, early work. The mask is good. You know, there's some, my best friend's wedding. She's got a good little bit part. But I don't know. I've been thinking lately a lot. Like, do you think that it's like, who who went past their capacity? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. sometimes I think maybe Zack Snyder should have just been like the best director of photography in the world. Right. Right. You know, yeah. People yeah. like that, you know? Yeah, no, it's true. You know, the, uh, I was talking to someone the other day we were talking about music and, uh, cause you know, DMX died RIP. Yeah, uh, and we were talking about how some of these, uh, hip hop artists, some of the big hip hop guy. And I'm like, I'm like, listen, it's a good thing. Tupac died in 96 because listen Ooh. you do not want Tupac featuring on a Miley Cyrus song <laughs> in 2021 like fuck that can you imagine because that's what you're going to get that's what yeah. would have happened if Tupac yeah. was still alive you know if Biggie yeah. was still alive him and Taylor Swift would be doing the the you know the Super Bowl halftime show Biggie would be coming out you know in his oxygen mask morbidly obese <laughs> trying to make it you know rolled onto the stage to you know in between in between insulin shots and you're like god damn this is not this is not how i want to remember these people you know it's it's nuts i've been watching a lot of movies lately it's like a great quarantine activity right and there's like you'll see like okay when we think of um who's sabrina not katherine hepburn um sabrina yeah, who played um, Audrey Hepburn? Oh, you think okay. of Audrey Hepburn, you think Sabrina, Breakfast at Tiffany's. Oh my God, right? What an incredible actress. Yeah. She didn't just die at 22, man. She was in, you know, like she was in stuff. I mean, she died young because she had all sorts of problems, but it was like she lived on. And then that's yeah. the thing. You see somebody in these schlocky 60s action movies or, you know, some weird, you know, the the equivalent of OnlyFans, right? right? Like yeah. at the time. And, <laughs> Oof, everybody. I mean, sometimes they rise back up, you know? Sure. Like, I don't think that um, uh, Helen Mirren is proud of all of her mid... She was in the sequel to 2001, yeah, right? But, right. like, now, you know, you come back up, but it's that mid-period is to Elvis, right? Or Johnny Cash. You just... We don't talk about the 90s. Right, that's like yeah, the that's a thing, bad... You know? It's a bad era for a lot of people. It's like Nicolas so Cage, man. You know, yeah. look, at, look at... He's in that time where he was... You know, in the last seven years he's made like 482 movies because he's just trying to pay off that tax debt i mean i see crap start coming out and i'm like what is this movie you made like did you he's like listen i'll take scale whatever whatever (laughs) whatever whatever the you know whatever the key grip is getting i'll take half of that a day you know anything whatever any gaffer on the set is getting just get me out of this tax debt you know, I'm not trying to be a Wesley Snipes and get sent to jail on this shit. Oof, yeah, nobody wants that. Although, 
it did knock him out of circulation from Blade 3, where he's bad but still kind of okay, through whatever he's doing now, which is much better. Robert Downey Jr., too. You know, sometimes yeah. the jail time absorbs what would other be otherwise be fallow years, but I don't know. You know, here's something I think I'd love to hear your thoughts on. Who is most likely to have sold their soul to the devil for their success? You know, Besides- who went from only okay to holy shit what like like neil nicholas cage and um i don't know like some of that read the dawn of his work it's like a different guy yeah from the guy in you know like Valley Ra- like raising stuff. arizona nicholas yeah. cage or you know you know i mean he even he even had some good roles in like uh adaptation which was you know yes. late 90s and stuff like that and Incredible. then that was like the end of his kind of run and then yeah i, I was that before or after uh what are those national history, national treasure? Yeah. Or <laughs> national history month. The movie. <laughs> yeah. <whatever>. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, the um, national, yeah. National treasure. I think it's kind of circa, but maybe just before maybe. Yeah. So, I mean, that was kind of, yeah, it was kind of when he went sideways, but I mean, I just got who sold their soul to get, um, well, I mean, n- name up. I mean, if we're talking, uh, actors or actresses right now that's a different story i I, my my head goes to musicians and i think anyone who's getting plays right now is not music um you know like i i hear like my buddy i'm gonna catch a lot i I don't care i've caught shit for this you know people my buddy loves post malone and he's like can you he's like you ever heard this song i'm like i i don't know maybe maybe not I'm like I I have first of all I don't think that's actually a song. Um that doesn't sound that's not music. That doesn't hit my ears and I go that is music. I'm like that's sound uh, coming out of a, a player but that's not music and I'm like second of all I don't know if I've heard that song or if it's just another shitty song that sounds exactly like that song. You know, right. they all have the same hum. They all have the same mm-hmm. beat. Every artist has the same melody. It's all auto-tune crap. And I'm like, I don't know the difference between this song and 18 other songs I just heard. So have I heard this before? I don't know. Yes and no. You <laughs> That's know? a great question. <laughs> yeah, I don't, you know, it's a lot of that stuff. It's really hard to tell. I have the same thing. A lot of it's just kind of muddy, right? It's like, this is... You know, I think I understand it. It just feels like it's kind of, it's just over and over again. I wonder sometimes, you know, they say that men will call women crazy because we don't have the sensitivity of the emotional register uh-huh. that women possess. Sure. This is a lot of generalization. Some men are sensitive. This is, I'm, this, right. That's okay. We can generalize that. on this show. I, I get no, what you're saying. I'm not, you know. you know what I'm saying. But I wonder about that. And it's like, okay, is it that I'm not immersed in the scene enough? that I don't get how these things are different or is it that I'm that I'm right and other people are making up the distinctions that make it like sound good it's I, that I have one. no idea it's that one okay. I'm going to tell you right now <laughs> Lars it's that one <laughs> because listen I don't I hate country music I do Ooh. not have a country bone in my body really good I yeah. can get down with almost any type of music I can I mean Gregorian throat music there's probably <laughs> a tra- I got a track or two on a Spotify playlist big chant fan yeah, yeah but, but like uh country just doesn't do it for me but mm. like every now and then I'll hear a country song be like that's a little different. I like what yeah. they're doing. I respect that. Mm-hmm. And I understand why that 
is good. Or even right. there's some things that like I'm like, that's not for me, mm. but I understand the talent. Like, um, yes, I'm not into uh, rock really at all mm. or metal or, you know, that type of stuff. Like those types of music are just what I'll traditionally call uh, white people music is not right. what is what is, you know, that country things just not for me. But yeah. again, when I hear something that like, I'm like, oh, that's that's a unique sound or that's interesting. Mm. Right. I can appreciate the skill of that. Mm -hmm. um, but again, with most music now, that kind of millennial stuff you hear, I mean, right. literally it all just is, you know, you make a super cut and it's just one. It's just like the, you know, one flat line of, uh, <laughs> you know, my God, no, that's, that, that makes perfect sense to me. My. And, and that's the thing. I think it's an important distinction you're making, right? Because you can like anything, yeah. right? And sometimes you can be, you know what? This is just the pap, right? This is just like, you know, you know, breast milk, you know, formula. I'm just drinking this up, whatever. Like, that's sure. what I need. That's fine. But when something crosses over and, it, and to be good enough to bring it up to a friend, right? right. Like, yeah. make sure it's fucking good. Like, let them <laughs> wait. Wait until you get a Sturgill Simpson or, you know, somebody who's like above the fray. Otherwise, it's just like, have you heard of Alan Jackson? Like, I don't think I need to. Yeah. You know, it's like, <laughs> is, he, is he being produced by Rick Rubin now? There's right. no way. Some death, deathly version of way down Honda and Chattagoochee or whatever. Like, it's not going to happen. Yeah. This guy made Run DMC. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a weird crossover event too that I'm not sure I'm I'm ready for. Rick um, Rubin's like graveyard of artists. Like you know, we've like who's Rick Rubin produced? Johnny Cash, the late Cash Career, incredible. There's like a bunch of Run DMC early. There's a lot of stuff. Yeah, Beastie but Boys then, stuff like that. That's right. Yeah, but he did produce other people. Who, it didn't work. Like he produced a Neil Diamond album, and everybody's like, fine. Yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah. It's not not enough for me. Right. Yeah. You need, sometimes you need more that Midas touch isn't, yeah. doesn't always work or like, man, you were like, maybe you had too much drugs during that era. Yeah. Uh, just, although to be fair, almost anything that came out of the eighties was pretty shitty. Um, yeah. not, you know, and I mean, and I'm including me, I came out of the eighties. So <laughs> me too. Yeah. you know, there's not a lot good. Uh, <laughs> Can I ask you a question about the eighties actually. Yeah. Okay. So, um, I really there's this NPR show called All, All Songs Considered, very famous, yeah. pretty good. It's kind of changed format over the years, but they had an '80s episode. I don't know, 2006, something like that. And uh, the guy at that time is a prominent electronic artist who came out of the '80s, very kind of experimental, like more Bowie than you know, uh, Human League or whatever, okay. right? But it was a whole thing. Like he had a problem with the '80s because the music was very pop. Um, and they were kind of abusing the new electronic format that was coming out. They were yeah. using it for evil, you know? <laughs> um, but, uh, but I feel like, um, like, okay. And, and the, the prime example for him was we built this city by uh, starship, right? Okay. He's like, this is so bad. It's, it's all synth. There's nothing original. It's the decline of a once great band. But I think that the problem with an era is, and, and, I don't know if this applies, but it's like uh, an era will have it, every era feels like it's the end of everything. Right. So you're like, OK, like in the 80s, I think with synths, they're like, God, synthesizers, 
this is unbelievable. Yeah, We've had all these instruments. Now look what we can do. But they don't think how it's going to sound in 10 years and 20 years. Right. right? Yeah. And so I'm wondering about that. Like, And maybe that's the reason why so much stuff now, as you're indicating, is so bad. Because it's like they're not thinking what it's going to sound like later. It's all status quo. Right. How can we sound like what's already out there? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, there, you know, yeah, you may, you bring up a good point, Lars, is what, how things are going to age. And I think that is really, to me, the testament of good music. Like, mm. I uh, am a huge George Harrison fan. Yeah. And his first album after he left the Beatles, he, he uh, made a double album called All Things Must Pass. Mm. And there is song, I mean, it was made in you know, I don't know, 72, something mm. like that, probably. Um, and that album still sounds amazing today wow. and still sounds like it, you know, it's something that could have, you know, it sounds like music. I think that's, that's part mm -hmm. of the problem too, is with the eighties, and the synthesizer and your sonic drums and all that, mm. uh, or the music now, it doesn't sound like music. It sounds mm. like a robot whale queefing in slow motion. Like that's what it sounds like. Yeah. And and I'm like this. This isn't. This is like this is like somebody wound up a Roomba, and <laughs> and you know put a music box inside a Roomba and let it run around <laughs> your house. Like there's. It's not. Music is just tinny Ooh. and hey, right. fake and hollow. Yeah, in uh, there's not actual sound and music Ooh. going on. Like I, 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 I grew up in the '80s uh, yeah. in the inner city in in South Central LA, and I, yeah. you know, I love hip hop. Right, I love Ooh. early Ooh. hip hop. And the thing I love about early hip hop too is because is that there's yeah, there's a lot of sampling and looping, but people were making original beats and also making things that you could play with actual instruments, hmm. you know, like the original uh, early NWA and uh, hmm. Dr. Mm -hmm. Dre albums and things like that. Those were, pe there were a lot of those songs that were literally people in the studio with right. guitars, bass guitars, with drums, with keyboards, and they're playing songs, you know, right. uh, and then, uh, you know, they might have some sort of bass sample or bass, you know, something, some cut it, sample cut in. But there's music being played. This mm. is, these beats now that you hear, literally you can make on a cell phone. You know, mm. it's a couple mm. keys, you know, and there, it's the same, same thing. There's, no, there's mm. no actual sound to it. That's so interesting. Yeah. Doesn't Sugar Hill Gang Rappers Delight, isn't that an actual band playing that? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's yeah, crazy. you're talking about, yeah, and that's, that's kind of, because, I mean, it was born of, like, you know, funk and soul, right. and there was a lot. So there was a lot of, you know, music you could play behind it, at hmm. least. Um, That's so interesting. And, you know, yeah, like I said, same thing with the 80s. Those That early 80s, you know, kind of new wave shit was just, right. you know, sonic drums and a synthesizer, and it sounds like all you... Some, some music, it's kind of like uh, even architecture and stuff like mm. that. Like, mm. there's these modern apartments being built on the river where i live in spokane mm -hmm. and they're nice looking but every time i and I, I i walk by the river path a lot i walk by them like those are interesting and they look nice now but in 15 years 
Those are going to look very, very timestamped, like very dated. And it's not going to look like something that's uh, Mm -hmm. timeless. Whereas, you know, there's some styles of houses like, you know, like a rancher style house that's just, you know, one level rancher. And you're like, that's kind of timeless, you know, like that. That's that's totally true. They kind of nailed it. Like they figured out how to make a house and that that was it. Right. Um, No, that's so smart. I, I feel like, you know, the. Build, yeah, the same thing, right? Like building something to last. Like what's it going to look like in the future? And I think that the there's this crazy... Well, and yeah, when I think about that prefab stuff, like things with perfect angles, yeah. very white, very pale. It's, I mean, I like that look of that, but you think it's like after a few years, you get that dust that just doesn't come out no matter yeah. how much you scrub. <laughs> it just looks dingy. Like until owning you know having an apartment I actually cared about which is like a surprisingly small number of years ago now <laughs> and like trying to you like you actually care about cleaning and then you're like oh man if i don't clean this dust up for i don't know let's say three years it just stays there yes. like it's a permanent just forever anyway. now there, there's this crazy story i don't see i don't know this is risky to bring up but the the weirdly the best example of an awareness of this that i know of like, i should offer all sorts of anyway is Hitler. Hitler, worst person of all time. I think we can all agree with that. There's no question there. Also, I guess we would agree a master of aesthetics in terms of horn swoggling a whole population. But anyway, apparently for the Berlin Olympics, the one he kind of presided over, they built this beautiful giant metal and glass edifice. And they're like, how about this, huh? It's the best we can do. And he's like, no, 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 tear it down. I want something in a hundred years the stones will still be there. Like wow, I want yeah. a permanent monument. He's, who's right, which is like, again, when we talk about people who went past, <laughs> anyway, I mean, well, with he, painting, he, but like that aesthetic thing of long-term, again, taking Hitler back out of the conversation, I think there is something there. Things don't age well if they're built up quickly, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, to be fair to Hitler, he did have really good long-term vision and kind of he, <laughs> I'm not saying it was the right one, but he had long-term goals and ideas that, that went beyond, you know, just the, the early 40s. Uh, he kind of had what he thought should be, you know, the world should look like. Uh, again, I'm not saying he was right, I'm not here to say he was wrong. It's not my place to judge. The Bible says don't judge, so I don't. Yeah, bring the Bible into this. So I don't. One of the safest texts possible. That's the, you know, it's so funny to listen to a podcast now because, like, um, I was, uh, my dad subscribes to the Criterion Collection, so he gave me his login. I was watching, like, some art movies. There's this one really great one called Just Another Girl in the RTA, I think. Have you heard of this? No. Mm -mm. It's amazing. It's this, like, young black woman in the inner city new york city 80s um hip-hop's coming up all this stuff she's kind of street smart it's very funny and then you watch it and shit starts to go very wrong for her yeah and then you remember you're watching it in the criterion channel and you're like there might not be a happy ending here like (laughs) she has this tough bloody pregnancy and she just goes get rid of it like she tells her boyfriend like throw it in the goddamn dumpster and you're like is this gonna happen like i don't I don't know. Podcasts are the same way right now, right? Like if somebody just stumbles upon this, they're like, Ooh, Hitler. How's this conversation going to go? This is not a New York times podcast. I don't know. Like, yeah, there's no, you know, I, you know, to be again, Lars, I've, this shows, 
I, you know, around 400 episodes That's right now fair, where yeah. this has landed. I, you know, <laughs> uh, this may be someone, I like to think every episode could be someone's first episode. Yes. It like also Stan could Lee be someone's, it also could be someone's last. Um, <laughs> and, I, and I'm okay with both those scenarios. Uh, cause you know, the, uh, I assume most people don't know me or know, you know, have that's why they're listening. And if so, they, they understand my viewpoint and that things are, can get crazy. And, uh, yeah. I don't censor right. myself or my guests or things being talked about. And it's I'm also, I'm also open to, uh, I've always said as a comedian that either everything is on the table or nothing's on the table. Interesting. So you can't really decide, you know, a moral line and what you can joke about because everyone's moral line is different, you know? Um, so there's no, there's no uniform idea that we've all agreed upon. So it's like, yeah, you know, and also I'm big on intent and, you know, you know, you know, um, so if your intent is malicious, then it's different than if it's lighthearted. Great point. So that's totally true. And then that's important to comedy. I think, you know, Although I kind of want to return to that idea of having a podcast that is designed to be the last podcast someone listens to. Like, what are the directions to go? One would be you just kind of say really nice things. You've had a good life. (laughs) You know, the morphine will kick in soon. I don't know how many episodes you could squeeze out of that, though. Yeah, well, well, you could... uh... You know, just every episode ends with someone loading one bullet into a revolver and <laughs> spinning the, you know, like you either hear a click or boom. And you're like, we don't know. This could be the last one. One out of six. Uh, <laughs> the, the spinning sound of the chamber yeah. as it clicks into place. Yeah. Tune in next week. It's actually a radio drama. Right. Will this be the last podcast? <laughs> yeah, that uh, will just be called one out of six. Um <laughs> So, like, One man, out of six we ain't bad. The last meatloaf single. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. So, what is happening with meatloaf? Anyway, that's another. Yeah, it's another guy that fell. Although, you yeah. know, again, these guys had long storied careers. I assume yeah. they're doing fine. They've got uh, money to fall back on. I mean, guy, he was in. Uh, he was he was in Rocky Horror Picture Show and yeah. Fight Club. So, what else does he need? Do you know? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> That's really, I mean, how much further could that guy have risen? You know, yeah. like it's great voice, you know, but yeah. Oof, that's yeah. A lot. I think he, I think he did his best. He did his part. He hit his Zenith and he's like, ah, I think I got, I squeezed more out of this than I probably should have been able to. I'm just going to ride it out into the sunset and enjoy it. Pat Nozzle had like the best tweet about him on the eve of, I can't remember if it was Trump losing. No, it must have been Romney losing. And it was like Meatloaf on stage shouts, play God Bless America one more time as the eighth tranquilizer dart hits him in the neck. <laughs> just, ooh, trying to make it happen. Uh, that's, that is, uh, you just reminded me of something. I forgot that at one point, uh, Romney was the Republican uh, nominee. I forgot that happened. Uh, that was what, Obama's second term? Was that right? Correct. Yeah, that's right. And people blamed Romney afterward for losing it. Like, that. they're like, oh, that was an election we could have won. It's like, I don't know, man. Like, 
you know, Americans love a second term president. That's yeah. not necessarily his fault. I, I, there's this joke I've been working on. I can't make it work, but um, Mitt Romney at some point, there's, there's this really fascinating thing that'll happen when someone's losing an election late in the election, they'll start making wild promises. Sure. Like all like Bob Dole, like and it was one of his last speeches before he lost what the uh, 96 election to yeah. Brooklyn. He was like, and I would like to see a complete demolition of the IRS. And I was like, what? Like, <laughs> just, just gone? Just no more, no more source I... of money for the government? <laughs> anyway, but the thing I always remember is Mitt Romney said, late, and I would like to see no more pornography on the internet. Yeah, like, like, good. yeah what else is on the internet, Mitt? What are you talking about? <laughs> so, So now, you know, like, when I think about all the worry about surveillance and, you know, that inevitable moment, if you're watching erotica where you remember that your phone has a camera, I'm like, okay, yeah. we, somebody's filming this. Where's it going? My theory, Mitt Romney, right? That's, yeah. it's, all your O faces are owned in some <laughs> sort of Mitt Romney orgasm database. Like that's, that's who owns those now. Yeah. Well, I was, I thought I was thinking about Mitt Romney when I came a lot before, but this, <laughs> this conversation has now made it going to be at least 90% of the time. Yeah. You get, give him a thank you at the end. Like yeah. everybody would thank Nancy, the editor of those Tarantino movies. That's <laughs> yeah. That should be your new trademark. Well, like the, that's, that's a horrible thing to claim. Like, that's like him. That's like a presidential candidate being like, and I want to, I promise to let a rabid cougar out into everyone's backyard. It's like, that's not something we want, Mitt Romney. Like, we get, do you know why there's a million porn sites? And it's, you know, because people, people want them, you know? That's right. You know what there's not a lot of anymore? Wiener schnitzels. <laughs> do you know why? People don't want that shit. People don't want a, a fake hot dog from an almost restaurant. An uh, ethnically, a German ethnically themed fast food place. Yeah, yeah that, not aged well. Yeah, yeah. No one. I, do you know what I've I've never heard anyone say? I could really go for some German food right now. Like, <laughs> like you know, Italian food. Yeah, Mexican. Yeah, Chinese. Definitely German oh, yeah. food. Nine. <laughs> That was, yeah, that's so right, Deez. I remember, uh, I remember eating at Fazoli's a lot in like the late nineties. Do you have those? Anymore? No, I've never heard okay. of Fazoli's. I was, I always referred to it as suspiciously low-priced Italian food. It's just, you know, it's like free breadsticks. Eat the breadsticks, and yeah. after a while, you like the Olive Garden. You're like, what's in these breadsticks? Right? Why are you trying like, to get rid of all these breadsticks? You're like, what are these? Are they are about to go bad? I mean, they're just pelt you with breadsticks as you walk in the door <laughs> keep coming well the weird thing with italian food is it i feel like it has to kind of be expected it seems fancy even though it's like spaghetti is the cheapest thing to make but also the rough thing about italian food is it's like the worst food to eat on the go yes. like you can't eat italian you can't eat you know stromboli and drive <laughs> like that's a difficult task to right. do you like i take the chicken parmesan <laughs> uh, like I can't eat that. Wow, like you know, you, that's not a food you can take somewhere. Is it? And no. it seems you, know, you can't show up somewhere and be like, I just, I just need to eat something real quick. <laughs> and you bring. Let me. As soon, yeah. If somebody says, "Let me eat something real quick," and they pull out something covered with tin foil, bad news. Right. Right. Like that crinkling. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. Like that. That better be a salad. 
It's like all I'm saying. Like, there's if that's not a salad in there, get out of here. What are you before, doing? Before I cooked, I had a friend who um, it was, it was in grad school, and he was like, yeah, I uh, he just made stromboli. It's like a miracle, you yeah. know? And, uh, and he was like, oh, I used to own an Italian restaurant. And I still think that's a dope move, right? Yeah. To just make stromboli. But then later you start to cook, and you're like, well... Yeah. Italian food's not that hard. It's, I mean, the dough—you know—you got to get the dough. But sure, you know, it's yeah. Yeah, if you're making your own pasta, uh, then I'm then I'm with you. But if you're just like, yeah, man, I do you know what it took to to boil that pasta and heated that tomato sauce? That was listen. That was uh, a homemade recipe by Hunts. Oh, Hunts. Yeah, sometimes you get Hunts instead of Heinz, and you're like, why is this ketchup sweet? What is... <laughs> yeah. Well, oh, it's all the same. No, it's not the same. It's really not. Plotchman's and Heinz mustard are pretty much the same, but anyway. Can, yeah, can we also get... I'm going to get behind... There's three things I want out of my next president. Hmm. Um, and, yeah, I, and I'm not counting Biden. Okay, you yeah. got to make it more than 100 days alive as a president for me to consider. <laughs> and he's not going to fucking make 100 days. No, I think yeah. he's been dead for more than 100 days. He's been <laughs> dead for longer than he's been president. Like, for sure. Backtrack that shit. It's yeah. just, yeah. He's got they, those glassy eel eyes of, like, Gary Oldman in that last Hannibal movie. Yeah, you know? like, yeah. Where he played. Oh, something's wrong. <laughs> yeah. The, Too blue. Uh, I, I, but I want a president... Uh, that makes some uniformity on the spelling of ketchup. Yeah. Because uh, we have way too... 100%. There's one with... A, there's some with a K. There's some people that spell it K... Like C-A-T-S-O-U-P, like cat soup. I'm like, what the, where the fuck are you from? Is it just Willy... <laughs> just any... Anything. Like throw a, a sounding letter at consonant out there and then it's just yeah. off cavalcade of letters afterwards <laughs> just whatever you want throw it out there and we'll just accept that as ketchup screw you heinz i need k-e-t-c-h-u-p that's it i don't need any other of these like people to like it's q u like it's like is this a quran or, or a tomato <laughs> based condiment this yeah, is k q u a t yeah c h u p like come on like man. no what do you what you like you can't put fancy in front of it and then spell it differently and i'm just going to accept that now i just no, think you're an idiot and don't know how to spell now which makes <laughs> me mistrust your whole product so That's i'm going totally right. i'm going to need uniformity on the uh ketchup spelling and i i'm also going to need uh sporks to be to replace forks and spoons in cutlery settings it's the superior cutlery piece and i think it gets no respect it's it's True. like this red-headed white trash stepchild you can only get when it's packaged in plastic with a salt and pepper packet and a napkin that it can't even absorb a droplet like a hummingbird's beak worth of liquid exactly right sporks yeah. gauze uh, wedding gauze yeah is, has more absorbent than those napkins that's yeah. totally right F 50 grit sandpaper is more <laughs> absorbent than these goddamn napkins they send you with those things uh um, well, what's number three ketchup oh, ketchup spelling 
spork standardization well no. ketchup standardization spork utilization what's number three? Oh, i want a uh sterilization agent in the municipal water system uh so people can't have kids unless they apply for one um great. yeah that's great yeah so those are those are the three things i want out this of my is the president. startup movement i'm with you <laughs> yeah i think uh yeah i think we could i think we could it's a good base yeah. it's a good base 100 percent. but wow. I, okay so Okay, spork-wise, can I not quibble, but just can I Sure, ask yeah, let's further? talk about it. Okay, so I love the spork too, right? I mean, you know, not since I poured water in my milk as a child and call it milk water. Has there been invention <laughs> sure. in front of us the whole time? But I feel like the tines on the KFC spork, which is my spork of choice, sure. are a little bit too... Short. I would love a spork with longer tines. What do you think? What's your style? You can there? you can go slightly longer. Uh, yeah, the the KFC. It, you know, it's like Shawshank Prison whittled little, <laughs> you know, slivers in between them. Um, half spork, half shiv. Yeah. Yeah, you gotta go. You gotta go a little longer. But a fork. I've. I've never. I've never. What am I carving a a buffalo carcass? Like, what am I doing with this fork that I need tines that are 17 inches long? <laughs> you know, I didn't just I didn't just kill a bull elephant and I'm trying to cut out trying I'm to trying pin to a vampire. Yeah, I'm yeah. trying to quarter out a goddamn Asian rhino. I'm trying I, to bail some hay. Yeah, yeah, I just all I want is a piece of this pork shop I got. And like <laughs> It, you can stab veggies and spoon veggies because there's things you I I realized this not long ago as I was mm. eating my peas for dinner mm. as I'm wont to do, uh, and you 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 can't really fork them. There's some you know you mm. can't you can't stab them and there's there's no good scooping in yeah. a in a fork. Uh, mm. Forks are really useless. Plus you know pasta the aforementioned Italian food you can kind of fork and then get that little spoon action going. Mm -hmm. yeah it's great really Perfect. good this is a classic issue my i'm a i'm a fork guy my wife's a spoon guy and honestly i have new hope for our marriage since you've reminded me of the spork i yeah. think that it's going to be a, president deese is going to be a period of healing you know i right. mean that's a nice thing about a post donald trump era nobody's off the table i mean <laughs> that it would be nice if you had a few billion more dollars either in profit or in debt yeah you know? like, yeah I could get into debt than, real quick. That's, that's not a problem. That I can that I can rack up overnight. <laughs> I was like, yeah, spork, spork, ketchup, and I've already. What was the third one? Yeah, the the sterilization agent. Sterilization. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. I I gotta tell you, I I I can. I'm now at the point where I can trace everything that's wrong in my life back to overpopulation, which. <laughs> Yeah, some yeah. would say it's convenient, but I think there's something there. You know, every traffic jam, like, right? Was this, you know, when they designed the streets, did they think there would be this many children running around? This you many know? people driving. Where are you all going? I, there's, listen, there's 10 million people in America out of work. I know you're not going to a job. <laughs> Don't you can't fool me. You know, I'm not. Listen again. We, we not to not to toot Hitler's horn again. This show we've done that enough. It's coming up over and but, over. But but I'm not saying I'm into eugenics, but soft eugenics. Just a yeah. just a gentle kiss of eugenics. Mm -hmm. Just a just a just a brush, a simple right. slight breeze of eugenics. I think yeah. it's okay. 
Well, yeah. and you know too, right? Like we can, here's, this is, oh, this is almost too good of an argument, but you, you, we can all get on, we all know the children of successful people are often fuck ups. Yeah, right? yeah. You know that. Now, most of us think we're doing okay. What about our kids though? Huh? Statistically, most of them are going to fuck up. So what if we had some additional controls? Yeah, I'm completely behind this. Yeah. This totally makes sense to me. I just think, you know, well, here, I just feel like there should be an algorithm, you know? Yeah, that's great. You, you gotta, yeah. you gotta have. Leave like, it to science. Leave it to, yeah, leave it to science. They've, they've never fucked up anything. Uh, <laughs> In the same conversation as we reference Elon Musk's number two saying, yeah, we could do Jurassic Park. Yeah. We're also saying, leave it to that guy. Yeah. yeah, that guy really cares about genes. Yeah. Why don't we let that guy make yeah, a we'll get, we'll, who gets we'll, born? What, what we'll do is uh, we'll get Elon Musk, the guy who created uh, CRISPR, and yeah. uh, and uh, which may be another name for Elon Musk. Yeah, so, right. Same person. Same person. But I just like you know get a you need like a little algorithm and, and you know I just want uh, you know we'll we'll look into your 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 mental history and your medical history, but also mm. like you know what's your income? Can you afford this kid? Can mm. you can you afford? It's kids are expensive, man. Expensive. You know, uh, can, you know what uh, debt to income ratio, housing scenario, like so. This is not. It's like, I get it. You want to have kids. People want to have kids, but Everybody I want someone that looks like them. I don't want to. I don't want to pay for your shitty kids. That's kind of no. my where I stand. You know. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. No. I mean, it's. Yeah, it's so interesting too, right? Like, it seems like right now. I mean, I have friends that really care about their kids. I don't have kids, by the way, but you yeah. know, like, so I mean, they they care about them so much, and those yeah. kids are micromanaged in a way we've never seen before, right? But then a lot of just regular people still just having kids yeah, and they're just kind of out there. Like, and I don't know. I mean, yeah, but I, I guess it's always been that way. Right. There's always like parents who are really on it and parents who are kind of, you know, my kids will figure it out. I still don't know which one has a greater chance of success. Right. Like a lot of those free range yeah. kids just kind of running around <laughs> form a lot of bands and stuff sure right? and then yeah some of those high functioning ones become like ted kaczynski so i have no clue that's true yeah there is a yeah, there's there's a weird middle ground in there uh daniel tosh has a great joke uh where he talks about uh this is ta tangentially related where he talks about J joe jackson michael jackson's death oh yeah and he's like you know He's like, I'd hit my kids if I had kids. He's like, but you know, because you, you, you wanna, uh, <laughs> like, you wanna, you don't, you wanna hit them enough that they have the uh, creative angst to make the thriller album, you know, but right. but not so much that they fuck children. Um, <laughs> <It's>, yeah, <laughs> like right. there is a fine. It's a real needle to thread. <laughs> yeah, there's a fine line there. Um, I guess this is why people disapprove of child abuse. That it's <laughs> such an inexact science. Yeah. yeah. Well, see that and the ethical component. <laughs> well, that, that, and, and and the optics, right? I mean, I think that's something <laughs> we have to admit. Although some some of my family's best stories, like I don't know if families still have this, where there's just stories that everybody tells each other around Thanksgiving, but. A surprising number of them have to do with watching children be treated badly in public. Like, yeah, our favorite one, we we're walking out of a Walmart in 1996, and this woman has both of her kids by the scruff of the neck, like one <laughs> on each hand, and she goes, it was like something out of them, and she goes, you kids 
are driving me nuts. <laughs> it's like, it's like it could have been Father of the Bride. You oh, know what I mean? Like yeah. it was. Oh, it's just so great. We got like one. We were in Disney World one year because we used to be East Coast, and we're like, and we're you know we're we got the this is all around that same time. So we're like. My parents shelled out the money to stay in the Polynesian Resort and the nice thing. And by the way, we wouldn't be able to afford it now. I just feel like I should say that. Yeah. I looked into the cost now, and it's basically the cost of getting to Elysium in that movie. You know, like <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah. it's like Ring World now. Like right. we couldn't afford it now, but at the time it was more reasonable. And we, we were. I don't, if you if you'd ever done that thing where you like get to an amusement park early and then you sprint to all the rides and stuff, is that ever? Uh, yeah, I mean, kind of. Yeah, yeah. Not, no, uh, I mean, I've uh, was a Knott's Berry Farm guy growing up in California. Yeah. That was my. So, yeah, we more as an adult and I get there early and, uh, you know, eat mushrooms and run around the park. Uh, that was kind of that <laughs> yeah, was more my what a great choice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, and what a weird like not. No, I know Knott's Berry Farm now. And I also because they also actually make jam right like it's still a very fun yeah they, yeah they they make death defying rides and a uh and an and a nice uh, marmalade um so weird <laughs> i mean i mean yeah we were talking early about format right like oh where's your next concert oh it's in an alley oh where's your next concert oh it's on fortnite oh where's your next concert oh it's on the moon like nothing fucking makes sense anymore no. but anyway so <laughs> so the idea that you have a berry farm slash amusement park is bananas anyway but so <laughs> The whole point of staying in Disney World is you're trying to get there early, get the pass, get yeah. like right. so. But there wasn't really a pass at that time, so you're just sprinting to the rides. And we heard a we heard a mother talking to a kid, and the mother goes, "Where's your father?" Because it's just the mom and the kid there. And the kid goes, "He thinks he's having a heart attack." And the mom <laughs> goes, "That's the stupidest shit I've ever heard." <laughs> it's like, wow, right? Yeah. Like families are so intense. Yeah, well, there, there's a reason. Well, one of many reasons I, I didn't have kids, and it's like I just knew it wasn't for me. That I just knew mm -hmm. I'm like that's that's a lot of work. Those are things yeah. I don't want to do. Um, you know, so I think people should. There should be one of my other. Uh, this is actually. So I used to write a lot of. I used to do comedy writing for a couple different sites, and I used to do kind of these just weird like comedy thesis type papers. I would write. And one of them uh, was like my future world, like President Deese, essentially. Nice. And uh, the uh, the water, the sterilization agent, the municipal water system was one of my ideas early and often. I've that's one I've been touting out for about fifteen years now. Uh, <laughs> um, it hasn't hit yet, but I'm still trying. Uh, well, and if, if and if some sort of a terrorist does it. Are they going to finger you for that? Yeah. Well, you know, listen, I'll do the time for that one. If it works, I'll, <laughs> I, works. that's, I will pay my civic duty for that. I will absolutely do the time for that. If that works, that is great. You guys can all enjoy the utopia and blame me. That's fine. I will, that's a cross. I will bear for all of you. Yeah, You're welcome. That's good. Uh, the, the, the Thanos 2.0 local comedian. <laughs> yeah. 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 little different. <laughs> you know, I didn't, we didn't take, we just, we didn't take people out of existence. We just allowed them. We just made it so they'd never happen. Uh, Prevention. Yeah. The, uh, the, uh, the other one of my ideas, this is, this one, this one is actually, um, 
I, I gave it a comedy twist, but I'm 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 <laughs> actually rather serious about it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, fairly serious about the municipal water system one too. Yeah. I play it off as a joke, but <laughs> deep down, if I had a choice, I'd pull that lever. Um, <laughs> I do wonder, yeah, like, uh, yeah, I know. But I th- I thought what we should do is we should offer an incentive to kids starting at like age 13 hmm. and uh, 13 through age 21, say hmm. every year you don't have a kid. Hmm. We give you money. Great. That's great. Um, and as you get older, that payout becomes larger. So there is more incentive to, uh, if you know what whatever you want to call it call it by you know by it's like a thousand dollars at 13 it's two thousand at 14 whatever you want to call it uh we'll figure out we'll have smarter people figure out the math but the that musk guy we'll yeah, get him, we'll on get him. <laughs> the uh uh <laughs> But more dinosaurs, fewer people. Yeah, can see us twenty twenty four. Listen, that's a world I'd live in. Uh, <laughs> but I, but I mean, lo- logistically, honestly, uh, you have you. I think we would deter uh, younger people from having kids, which would mean they'd be more responsible and better equipped to have kids when they yes. did have kids. Um, the, you know, right now we're incentivizing young people having kids essentially right. because we pay them for them, uh, and you know it it. Uh, it's an incentive to not have kids at a young age. And like these people would grow up and actually be, uh, go to school and get a job yep. and like really think of and be, uh, adults and make a decision. Cause I mean, you look at how much we pour into social services to pay for unwanted kids yep. or, uh, so you know, uh, abortions or blah, blah, right. blah, all these things like figure out whatever that number is. And then figure out what you can pay people to not have kids, and you'd probably save money and have a whole bunch of not have kids that nobody cared about. That's so smart. No, I yeah, I I couldn't agree more. I feel like I was just watching. I seems like you you also watch movies, right? So like, do you have this thing where, especially as a young person, you maybe saw a trailer and assumed the movie was good. Yeah. And then later you hear, no, that's a piece of crap. There's a reason you didn't see it. But in your mind, you're always like, ah, I don't know. Maybe maybe the first Hot Shots was good. Yeah. You know, maybe <laughs> the Naked Gun 33 and a third, I only saw that part on TV. Maybe it was good. You know, you just, yeah. you never know. So I'm, I'm trying to rewatch some of those movies. Almost always a mistake, right? <laughs> Black Hawk Down, Maybe if you saw it when it came out, maybe it's great. Now don't watch it. It's not, it doesn't hold up. So I'm watching Romeo plus Juliet, the Baz Luhrmann thing. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I came to a lot of realizations as I watched that because it's an insane movie. But one of them is it's like, oh yeah, it's not like when we say, oh, teenagers are crazy with hormones. It's like, that's literally true, right? Like there's a hormone that makes you mad. There's a hormone that makes you sad. And there's a hormone that makes you horny and nature just floods teenagers with these <laughs> and says procreate like it's not a joke fucking procreate and they think well oh yeah but that's just the sex drive what about the love stuff what about the sudden belief that the person who grew up with you in your town of 100 is the perfect soulmate for you now and forever it's like that's a hormonal thing man yeah. <laughs> this is big yeah the idea of bribing somebody out of that hole so smart i completely agree yeah i mean that it's funny you say that there's uh, it literally is just mental. Like they talk about people like ghosting each other. Right. Mm. And you're like, that's not even 
most of the time intentional. Like for as right. we'll talk just as I'm going to talk just as a guy right now. Mm. Um, <laughs> because I feel like I'm qualified to do so. Uh, yeah. <laughs> there, top of the resume. <laughs> it turns out that's he, him. Uh, the, uh, w- there are times when you, you know, meet a girl, and if you think you might get laid, those hormones are running. You're like, yeah, I fucking like this girl. I'll fucking, I'll drive three hours to go see this or whatever. And then you, then you do it and then you, you have sex and you're literally your, your hormones have gone away. You've done the thing that nature is driving you to do more than anything. And then you're like looking at him like, I just, I'm all right. Well, I did what nature wanted me to do. And you're like, it's right. not even dubious. It's not. Nef- it's not nefarious, even. No. You know, there's there's oftentimes there's not a nefarious thing. It's just like, oh my god, this is literally nature doing what it's been doing for billions of years. Yeah. You know, it's no, still that's ex- totally right. It's funny. I don't. <laughs> for a lot of years, I mean, it didn't stop overpopulation, but I was raised really Catholic, and it had like uh, sure. There was a real overcorrection kind of where I'm from, not for everybody, but for a lot of us, like it made you so afraid of relationships. Yeah. Still now it's like, I just can't get, I can't get anybody pregnant. I'm 36. It's like, no, oh no, that would be real dangerous. I mean, now it kind of would for a different reason, but yeah. Yeah. And and so for me, it was like a fear-based contraception, which is not, you know, uh, unusual. Well, that's Catholic that's catholic you know class exactly right day one fear and guilt i don't know like i think that i uh so i've never had a one night stand like not once but i gotta say like it it's nice to have you know if you're just by yourself let's say to have that moment of release and you're like well this is a mistake like it's better (laughs) to just kind of have those breaks on you know like yeah i'm the only one who gets embarrassed here this is okay but yeah i mean relationships are complicated right and the reason you go into them it's not always a long-term thing i totally get that oh yeah no i mean it's uh, i i'm well well i did therapy long enough and do uh uh, a lot of soul searching enough (laughs) that i'm well aware of why i uh don't have any kids and why (laughs) i'm 38 and my longest relationship is like a year uh (laughs) You know, uh, you know why uh, I was a, a, a rampant uh, alcoholic for the the majority of my life. Um, you know, I get it. It all makes sense. It adds up. Turns out we yeah. did the math. If <laughs> it all checks out, they don't always talk about the the math component of therapy. It is hard. So it's you know, it's like you're just seeing what two plus two equals four. Like, how does this work out? Yeah. It's always a chilling moment, right? When either you or your therapist says something that's been right in front of your face sure. your entire life. You're <laughs> like, oh, God. Yeah. You're embarrassed. You didn't realize it yourself. I, and then, of course, the next thought is like, well, but I don't think I could do anything about this. Yeah. <laughs> like, sure. I think I just got to like shield bystanders from collateral damage because right. <laughs> this is how I am. Yeah. I just got to do that and still call my parents by their first name. When I talk to them and everything will be great. That's what we, that's kind of what, how we fixed it. Uh, Do you sense any distance between yourself and your parents? No. Uh, Me, Pete, and Margaret. We have a great relationship. I'm sorry. Who are Pete and Margaret? Oh, my parents. Yeah. Oh, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. Uh, Distance. 
I mean, I don't call them sir anymore. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm at least calling them now. Uh, yeah. that... <laughs> as long as you call me. Not often. Not often. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. Go ahead. Where are you? Are you, are your parents still around? They, uh, I think so. Um, <laughs> yeah. We, <laughs> last I checked, we're not close. Uh, they are still alive as far as I know. Um, I mean, we've, like, it's been, uh, probably two months since we talked, but they, oh, yeah, uh, yeah that's, that's, I, I was just, I mean, what I was going to say was, so my parents are sort of East coast. If you count Ohio as East coast sure, yeah. and, uh, you know, I miss them. So I'm, you know, I'm out of here in Oregon. I'm like, Oh, uh, because we get along great but the thing is i think we get along really great because i am 700 miles away yeah, from them sure. you know like that there's like oh absence makes the heart grow fonder like that's that's, that's kind of a cute thing to say but there is something to that like yeah. actually only seeing people consistently enough that the rest of the time you get to fantasize you have a great relationship sure. it's like <laughs> like moving in with a long distance relationship it's like fucking be careful man like yeah that if it worked as long distance, oh, I don't know if it's going to work in person, you know? Yeah. So you're just telling me you make eggs in the morning and then just leave the pan on the stove. <laughs> uh, okay. That's fine. Yeah. No, there's, uh, okay. <laughs> that, is that how we're living? Is yeah. that how it's going to go? <laughs> yeah. All those day-to-day things. Yeah. You can tell your love languages and they're totally different. <laughs> it's important for me that we spend a lot of time in the same room. Well, it's important for me that, we don't do that. Ooh, this might not work out. Yeah. Yeah. It's a weird, I have a, I have an odd relationship with my family because I grew up Catholic also. Um, and then, you know, Mexicans, Catholic, go figure. Um, and then we were kind of nothing for uh, a long time because, you know, Catholics. And uh, then, <laughs> then in my mid teens, my older brother, uh, when he started high school, got uh, he kind of got caught up with these young life guys, and he mm, became classic. a fundamental Baptist, and mm. he uh, is now a Baptist pastor, and the rest uh. of my family is very, they all went that way. Um, wow. So, and I was just kind of like, oh, I thought we were, I thought we were done with that. Um, <laughs> and I am not uh, religious. I, I'm uh, very agnostic, and, mm. you know, I... No kids, just kind of freewheeling. I travel the world. I do comedy. I just kind of do yeah. my thing. And you know, so Dream. it's a very different lifestyle from what they do. And it's uh, yeah, it's a heavy contrast. Yeah, it really is. I, it, that thing. The funny thing about being Catholic, right? I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. So, only later, like only the last few years, have I realized how frequently you'd be in math as a Catholic. I think I realized this because. Even now, I'll criticize Catholics for their social stances or whatever, because there's a lot of fucked up shit happening. Yeah, right? <laughs> but only lately do I realize how often you'd be in church and the priest would say something and you'd look it around at everybody else like, are we still on board with yeah. this? Like, I mean, I, I'm not going to leave right now, but is this the breaking point? Right, like, yeah. Is, like, is this where we all are going to hell. Uh, we're down with this? Because... <laughs> Hell's bad, and I mean, you should be able to not be married forever. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and it's the thing, you have this kind of, you believe you have a shared understanding with everybody who has the same label as you, sure. right? Like, yeah. But yeah, with your family, that's a thing. I mean, I mean, 
here's just a few quick examples, right? Like I grew up again in Ohio, pretty well, I grew up in Kentucky, but it's right on the border. So I kind of mentally jump us into Ohio. Sure. <laughs> and so I grew up with a friend in Kentucky, or a, a friend of mine also grew up religious in Kentucky and he's still a close friend, but we go, uh, at some point we're talking about his life and he goes, yeah, you know, uh, my, I, I, at some point I broke away from my parents and I had to live in my car for a few months. Uh, I had to do this and do that and do that, whatever. And he goes, yeah, you know, um, it took a long time for me to think about it, but my super religious parents, I just, I had to admit one day that I do believe that Jesus and God are different people and they have different levels of supernatural powers and I couldn't be, and they kicked him out for that. Like <laughs> still religious and he's still religious, yeah. even though they were so abusive. It's like, oh, I just, there's religion does not scale between people. You know, no. it's so yeah, the reason we don't try to talk about it. It's uh, it, like your friend had to live as like a refugee. He's, you know, <laughs> like he's, <laughs> Like has a new identity, went to a gas station, like dyed his hair and, you know, <laughs> smashed his teeth out so there are no dental records and no one could track him. You're like, <laughs> oh, man, what made you do that? Well, I thought Jesus wore a gray robe, but yeah. my parents and I couldn't agree. So now, yeah, I'm basically Lars Fredrickson just on the road. <laughs> Yeah, the, yeah, it's like uh, you know, it's like that last scene of the the old Incredible Hulk show. Every <laughs> the Bill Bixby just walking away with that sad piano music. That was me. Uh, <laughs> Unreal. But to see the parents go Baptist, that must. I mean, I'm not. I don't want to trot you through this over and over again. But that must have really been something. See, after I kind of left, you know, as I moved away, my dad came out as gay, and then joined like the Presbyterian Church. Because he's from that generation. I think people just liked God. Or not that, but, you know, like, they just kind of liked having something. Yeah, so, you yeah. know, he got married in the church to his male partner and all that stuff. And so I'm like, whatever, man. I don't know. It's, it doesn't appeal to me, really. Yeah, it's a... Uh, uh... Well, I so not to not to bring uh, voodoo into this, um, but uh, I'm, I'm very excited about this. <laughs> I mean, not real voodoo, but kind of like weird. Uh, I always say this: I, I, uh, uh, I, I'm a Libra, which, Ooh. and I don't necessarily believe in astrology, but I don't not believe in. I mean, again, I'm agnostic. Anything's Gnostic. possible. Great. I will say this: you know, the the Earth is what like ninety percent water or whatever. Uh, the moon controls the tides humans are mostly water eh, there's some there's some science that says it could have some effect on our bodies uh so anyway uh the libras are the balancing scales they are into uh fairness and justice that is one of the uh, hallmarks of a libra and i see little to no uh justice or, you know, uh, real equality or equity in most religion. Um, mm. And that's where it really bumps me. Or like not even the, the ethics of religion itself, but religious people. The hypocrisy mm. of religious people, I think, is what yes. really, really bumps me too. When it's like, ah, you know, this is super convenient for me and makes me feel better. Right. But these things I'm like, well, whatever on. I'm like, I don't know. I don't think it's like mm -hmm. I don't think it's like old country buffet where you get to pick and choose which one. You know, you pay, you buy a ticket, you fucking sign up for the whole thing, or you eat the whole goddamn buffet, or you don't have any of it. You know. Right. Yeah. And and if you don't, 
then you should have guilt that you then like maybe be a little soft on the people who aren't into it. Right. right? Like yeah. when you, when you kind of don't be too hard on yourself, but you go ham on the people who believe different. Yeah. I yeah, don't. Yeah. There's a I lot. Mean, a this lot is of... a great place to talk about this. Well, this is a little intense, but how about when it turned out that the head of Liberty university, uh, Jerry Falwell jr. I yeah. would say, uh-huh. was like, uh, you know, that he gets, got off from, from like allegedly. Yeah. That, that they had like a cabana boy. Yeah. Right? That yeah. he would like knowingly. Say, so literally a cuck, which is a term that's terrible. Not something I buy into. Doesn't deserve to be a term of derision. People have their kinks. But the fact that him like, uh, I mean, yeah, you just you wonder, like, how many people have to sort of like disappoint you and putting that in scare yeah. quotes, you know, if you're religious before you're like, you know what, maybe we should just chill out on this whole thing. I yeah, it's uh, it's the sanctimoniousness that really gets yes. me, like the the self righteousness. You know, look at like uh, uh, Ted Haggard and stuff like that. Oh, you know, yes. these guys who you know, anytime someone is going super hard, I mean, it's it's cliche for a reason. Mm-hmm. But anytime someone's going, some religious person is going super hard against gay, you're like, yeah. how many dicks have you sucked? <laughs> like, like, right, bro, yeah, like, bro, here. like, I don't judge you. Suck all the dicks you want. I'm just saying, don't <laughs> yell at other people for sucking dicks when you're out there smoking meth and smoking dicks. You gotta, you know, you can't <laughs> do that shit. You gotta pick a team, man. Like, don't I, under, I understand you were like raised with shame and embarrassment about this, and this is how you conceal it, but. You can't make other people feel shitty because you feel bad about yourself and you're, you're, you know, you're projecting and overcorrecting here. That, agree more. That's the yeah. stuff that really I'm like, I can't, I can't, no. you know? No, 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 no. And that's the thing, like, uh, yeah, I don't know why, I don't know if a lot of religious people haven't read about the Kinsey scale or what, but that Kinsey scale, right? Like, yeah. I can't remember what the order is. I should learn it, but it's like one side of the Kinsey scale, completely hetero one side of the Kinsey scale completely homo and then everybody's kind of in between right yeah. i mean some people are hard one way or another but whatever but i do think that that the reality of the Kinsey scale hurts human sexual and religious relationships because if everybody's a little gay then that allows religious people to say well no i mean we all feel homosexual feelings i mean not me but like you know people experience that but you just kind of press it down it's like yeah dude if you've got like one out of five gayness but like it doesn't you know you're not understanding where other people are on that and then of course when the leader is like a four out of five it's like mm, yeah let's yeah, go just it's futile i mean listen i've i uh uh personally never had a gay experience but also i would blow john stamos in a heartbeat so don't yeah if anyone who tells me they wouldn't is a goddamn liar oh you are you are out of your mind that guy is an adonis right Um, place at the right time that's completely (laughs) right yeah just you and him you know uh oh oh the elevator's broken yeah Oh, and then it's just, there's this, how long would it take? Right. Like what's that period of time? How hungry are you? Oh, yeah. It, it would take as long as for him to take his pants off. Uh, that's <laughs> as long as it would take. The, uh, what if that's John Stamos's life? Like every time he's alone with somebody, he's like, look, I know how this is going to yeah. go. Like he just cuts right. He's been interrupted enough times that he's like, we got to get on this quick because this elevator will eventually arrive. Yeah. And I know you're into this. So maybe that's how famous people get busted. Cause they think uh, they just assume everyone far. wants to uh, yeah well, they all think they're john stamos but they're not no, not everybody. no. sorry harvey weinstein you're no john <laughs> stamos
Keep going into a plant, man. <laughs> yeah. So the, the religious thing's really interesting. Here's, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this since you're such a thinker. Like, what's the, sometimes, like, I'm just, this just occurred to me, maybe people are really religious. It's just like an intense feeling of discomfort, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, something's wrong. We got to figure it out. Something's wrong. I got to put this nervous energy somewhere. And even, and maybe it's John Stamos. For some people, it's John Stamos. Yeah. For some people, it's religion. <laughs> but do you feel kind of more chill about the whole thing? Because that, that assumption would mean we all feel sort of uncomfortable with our lives. Sure. Some people really like religion as the outlet. And once you put it in religion, it's hard to think about putting it in somewhere else, right? But you kind of broke away. I mean, if that theory is true, it might mean that you have either a sense of calm or a willingness to sit in the discomfort of life and deal with it in a different way. What do you think? Well, uh, first of all, I think uh, um, your statement of uh, once you put in religion and it's hard to put it somewhere else, I think Catholic priests would prove that uh, it was a wrong statement. Uh, the, uh, but the, uh, I think part of it is um, I think people are weak, and I think that uh, it's easy to say you don't have any power. And I think it's Mm. easier to say Mm. it's someone else's control and it's easier to say, I Mm. can't fix it. I just pray about it or whatever. It's God's Mm. will or whatever. Like, cause then you don't have to actually actively fix anything, you know, whereas for me, I'm, I like to be very self-aware from a very early age. I I like to spend time with myself. I'm a writer. I like to write, I just would write my thoughts. I still, to this day, I used to spend more time doing this. I would spend about a month or more on the road by myself, just traveling. Mm. I would just travel, mm, mm. you know, not even doing anything, just traveling mm. and seeing sights. Nice. And I'd go down to Mexico and I'd like just hang out on the beach for a week and I would just write my wow. thoughts and and uh, process things. And, uh, you know, I understood that everything is kind of on me in a mm. sense. At the end of the day, it is. I mean, there's things that are yeah. out of my control, but it is in my control how I react to those things and the things that are in my control i need to learn how to better um wrap my head around them and be able to manage them Um, but when you're with religion people just kind of give it up to a higher power and then they're absolved of any real um responsibility and that's much critical thinking yeah yeah yeah. and that's much it's a much easier way to live i understand that and Mm. much uh because you know you you're not uh, bound to be, yeah, be kind of uh, culpable for anything. Mm. Um, but it's it's unrealistic, it, mm. you know, and I don't think it really helps you become a better person or grow uh, mm. because you're not, you know, I, I always say like um, astronauts. Mm. Astronauts, when they're in space, um, they, you know, they're actually lose because there's no friction or gravity in space. Right. They lose muscle mass and muscle density, right? Where, whereas, you know, if, if you have no pressure, no friction, mm. nothing you're pushing against, you'll lose metaphorical muscle yeah. in life, you know, whereas we should be building muscles and how to push against things and, and, mm. uh, overcome things. And I'm, I'm very into facing fears, facing mm. what mm. Uh, things that make me uncomfortable. I want to mm. find out why, and I want to overcome that. Um, and I think the, uh, most people don't, and that's that. In, religion becomes a scapegoat. Yeah, that's. I th- completely agree, man. I think that that's one of the reasons why Henry Rollins has meant so much to so many people. You know, like there's a real kind of like a sort of 
you know, it's not perfect, but there's kind of a muscular response, you know, to a lot of that uncertainty or the kind of a can do way forward. Right. Yeah. And yeah, I totally agree. I think that's great. And especially the individual exploration. I think that's a real gift to have the interest and the willingness to do that. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I feel like people are scared to really explore themselves. And, and I always tell people because, uh, you know, I do in addition to this show, I do another show called Some Imperfections, which I, mm. I host with two certified life coaches. Mm. Um, they're trained and I have had lots of real practical yeah. life uh, experience and, and can bring a comedic slant to the show. So we kind of have an interesting dynamic. But one of the things I always kind of tell people when they ask questions about a certain scenario or they're struggling with this, I'm like, you, you know, especially if you're young-ish, even, you know, younger than 50 even or 60 or whatever, we don't have to put an age on it, but like, Think about how long you'll be discomfort, you'll be in mm. discomfort trying to overcome this. Let's say even a year, let's say even two years. You're, do you want to live another 40 years swimming in this? Or do you want to have two, a, a year and a half, 18 months of it being kind of bumpy sometimes, uh, but then year two and for the rest of your life, you you are now past that situation and you're more equipped to deal with any other situation that comes your way. Like what it, it, it just, you know, mathematically, I mean, I'm a numbers guy, mathematically speaking, that just makes sense. Yeah. You the know? long view. Yeah. I totally agree. The confrontation and then also the kind of gradual diminishment, right? Like, you know, a lot of people hope that by not facing something, it'll fade away. Sometimes it does, but if it keeps coming up, right. you can kind of face it. And that discomfort won't last forever, right? Like eventually, you know, you're like, no, this is, yeah, something I live with. Yeah. That, that was something I realized recently. I'm, I'm lucky enough to be pretty healthy, but um, growing up, you always hear people with like a terminal illness don't love to just talk about it over and over again, yeah. right? And I was like, oh, why is that? And it's like, well, I've realized recently and from what I've read and stuff, it's like, well, you, you know, uh, you still want to live your life. Yeah. And the things that nag at you don't define you, right? So if you're kind of, you kind of deal with something and then move on, maybe it'll come back a little bit. Yeah, you can keep living your life. You don't have to be absorbed in this one thing. That totally makes sense. Yeah, they don't want it to be their identity. You know, yes. a lot of people who say like, oh, now I'm just your friend with cancer forever or, right. or you know, or whatever. But mm -hmm. um, yeah, another analogy I like to give a lot is like, if, you know, everything's incremental, you know, mm. everything takes time and it's not, you know, things seem so overwhelming. Uh, but, you know, um, I'll kind of parse it out over X amount of time. It doesn't mm. seem as daunting, you know, like if if someone pulled up a Buick to your house and said, like, you have to eat this Buick, that seems like an impossible feat. But I mean, if you ground it up and put a spoonful of it over your cereal every morning, eventually you would eat a Buick. You'd be riddled with tumors. Uh, by, but, but, you know, you could do it. The, the point is, it's, it's, it's just small chunks and chipping away at it. And then eventually that Buick's gone and you've done it. And it's, and you'll, yeah. you'll, you'll, for the majority of your life, you won't even remember of eating it or that discomfort, you know? Well, yeah, the cereal, you probably won't even enjoy your cereal without it. Right. right? It'll just yeah. Be, you know, you need like, well, you know, Rice Krispie Treats are okay, but with just the Buick sauce, right. like that's 
really just some dust of fender yeah just a little bit uh, of, you ever had cocoa crunch you know, yeah. a little enclave over the top uh <laughs> have, you, have you listen i'm more of a skylark guy but uh every now and then um <laughs> yeah well the, i i got, I got obsessed for a while reading about that guy who like ate that plane you know what i'm talking about he would like no. eat glass and metal wait no this happened yeah, yeah. There's like, well, some people have such like acidic body juices. <laughs> Sounds exciting. You know, like in their stomach. Uh, but like, yeah. And this one guy like ate a Cessna or whatever. Just Jesus. one piece at a time. He could just do it. I don't I don't think he lived that He's long. But it was, like, you know, just out there long like enough to eat a plane. Nine on a fuselage. <laughs> that guy out on the wing as you're flying like a gremlin. Uh, yeah. <laughs> this guy's trying to eat yeah, us. Yeah, this is the this is the longest episode of Fear Factor ever. Uh, <laughs> if he wins, he's gonna get health care. Uh, <laughs> the yeah, well, um, Lars, the uh, uh, before God, we're an hour twenty in here. Uh, the. <laughs> um, we uh before we get any further i do want to talk about the uh show you have coming up you're launching a new podcast uh tell the people about the podcast the idea how you started where they can find it and everything yeah thanks d so the podcast is called the money source and it's for anybody who's ever been curious about how people make money doing podcasts and honestly it's going to lapse into a lot of like how people are making money in entertainment now yeah. um before the show we were talking a little bit about only fans and <laughs> patreon i mean the good news right is that after years of people just doing stuff for free on the internet yeah. and some people getting paid for things people are discovering revenue streams that are maybe more sustainable although as you pointed out the best chance of having make, like making money doing a podcast was to start one about seven years ago. <laughs> but now I don't know. Maybe it'll be some non-fungible transaction. Who knows? Anyway, but so it's called The Money Source. We're premiering on May 5th. Uh, it's me, a uh, comedian in the sort of Oregon, Salem area. Um, Chad Johnson, who uh, runs a lot of the comedy in Salem and up to Portland, down to Eugene. And then, uh, and then Grant Yoder, this really talented comedian who I think you yeah, know, he's been has on performed the show. internationally and stuff. So it's great. We're all kind of workers, and we're excited um, to hear people's questions. So um, we have this uh, Gmail called the Money Source Pod at gmail.com. People can email us with questions they have about how to make money using doing podcasts, and we're excited to do it. Yeah. What was so? I mean, you guys, do you guys do any podcasts? currently or this is the this is the first one what what was the impetus to get this one going for you yeah so we've we've all done podcasts in the past that had like decent followings but we didn't know what the sort of like threshold was for actually making it a real thing so yeah. um chad has a long long like long-standing podcast called the pod chaos which is really great with comedians um from portland and salem and eugene and all over the place um, really great kind of a chatty pod. Um, also, he has a Twitch stream and he and I have a show called All Who Wander Are Lost um, <laughs> where we just people kind of... Sh Do you play video games, by the way? I don't, no. Yeah. I, I've got I've got an original Nintendo I still break out of and that's it. <laughs> it's really great. So we had... Anyway, so I mean, for me, that was one of the impetuses because um, I had this idea and I was like, oh, some comedians play video games like crazy. And you could think a thousand hours into these video games and that is a month of your life yeah. like literally a month of your life in this so it's like you know what these 
like we could walk around the settings of some of these games where people have spent months and they could recount to us what they've done in these spaces as if talking about their lives. It was called All Who Wander Lost. And it's pretty cool, but the part where you have the idea and translate it into a show, we can do that, right? And, and on the show, we'll talk about equipment and how it works and that. But the question about gaining an audience and then making that into something that maybe pays for itself, I mean, that's the upper limit, but at least, you know, has some sort of weight, that's kind of the question. And, and Grant had a, a show called uh, Pretty Neat which now That's I think is, right. is becoming something else. And yeah, that it was like, he got paid in beers, pretty good. Yeah. Kind of the dream. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, so that's a thing. We're trying to figure it out. And I'm, I've been really enjoying the Dollar Bin podcast and the social hour. And it's exciting to hear from you as somebody who's actually making this happen and also still doing comedy, which I'm sure will just explode as things open back up even more. So Yeah, that's uh, unfortunately uh, things have kind of with the podcast. I mean, I was the social I've been doing for almost seven years now. That was weekly uh, during the pandemic. I went to twice a week and then I launched two other shows. Um, and, you know, we're kind of I'm kind of scaling back on things mm. just because, yeah, live dates have just gone nuts. So, I, I, I mean, in, in as much as I love the podcast, I want to keep doing them. Uh, they're just kind of more, uh, I mean, the, the social hour will always be every week. Um, mm. some imperfections went to once a month and, uh, dollar bin is kind of every week ish. <laughs> so, um, but I mean, you know, still, still trying, it's uh, still doing them. It's just not as, not as consistent. You got to go with, I'm a, I'm, I'm easily bought. Yeah. As I'm, of course. Uh, whoever's well, yeah, well, that's the thing. Like some projects mean a lot to you, but ultimately you still do have to like pay the bills yeah. and keep the lights on. So, yeah, I mean the, the dollar bin podcast was fun. It's I'm still going to do it. It's been great. I just, you know, I mean, I read so much stuff and then Ooh. so many comic books and trying to like uh, write jokes about it is a fun kind of challenge to a yeah. uh, fun little, little act. So I like that. Um, but how, uh, so how's the comedy been for you guys? down there in Oregon with everything. You guys are kind of opening back up, right? Yeah, opening back up. It's been a real mix, you know. Um, so I'm also a teacher and I've been remote from that for yeah. a little over a year now. And so that's, and I don't know, I'm pretty introverted, you know. And I, and I really love doing comedy, but since there's not a profit motive, it means that I'm doing it. I, this is the weirdest thing ever, but I don't know. Well, growing up in the '90s, were you much of a dancer? Was that ever one of your things? I mean, like, kind of, not, not super huge. Yeah, I guess. So, yeah. yeah. In the '90s, for anyway, where I'm, you know, in Kentucky, Ohio, you just people don't really dance. But then, if you never dance, you're like, I feel like I'm missing out on this. So you yeah. sort of force yourself to dance, and then you could say you dance. So comedy's kind of like that for me. Like, I like doing it. I want to do it, but I don't have that like eye of the tiger oh, like i yeah. need to do yeah, you know what yeah. i'm saying and being in salem to go up to portland is okay but poor people in portland don't necessarily make a month like a living doing it yeah. like just to travel and then the highest people in portland move down to los angeles blah 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 you know it's just it's kind of interesting so so for me it's like i'm moving slowly back but sometimes you know you volunteer for an open mic you, you sign up for an open mic you kind of don't know till you get there if it's going to be wall to wall people with no masks, yeah. like, uh, you know, um, or whatever. So I've kind of been slowly moving back, but it's, it's really nice. I mean, there's stuff around um, Salem. This guy, Ty Boyce has this great 
series of like open mics and larger shows at like this food truck park and these like public spaces which are very safe and good and then of course portland's always got stuff eugene yeah. has a surprising amount of stuff so it's coming back little by little but i think i'm still a little gun shy yeah but i'm excited to be doing it more yeah yeah well i'm glad it's coming back i know it's you know um it's it's nice to see people moving out and coming and doing things again and people coming out to support stuff so i mean uh but yeah like like you said the with everything during the pandemic and kind of uh revenue streams online being more accessible uh, Mm -hmm. i think those elements are things that are going to not go away people found people who really were able to capitalize during this time um are going to be able to you know keep making it that way totally agree it's nice you know i remember stephen fry saying it's like with pod with with he was saying audiobooks was kind of before podcast but he's like yeah like you could just have a world-class storyteller tell you a story whenever you want yeah. and podcasts are almost dangerous that way right it's like you can have the smartest people in the world having a conversation in your head 24 hours a day like it's yeah. it's almost disrupted my ability to function like, <laughs> You know, you hang out with your friends after listening to Dee's Castillas' social hour, you know, and then you're like, uh, you guys suck. Yeah, this is, this <laughs> well, is Where's the less. witty banter? Where's the <laughs> cultural references? Right. What do you mean you've never seen species or whatever? You know, <laughs> Who hasn't like, seen species, sucks. man? Uh, you know, it's funny because you, you, it's funny the way you put that of it being in your head, like podcasting in your head. Uh, you know, they t- they're talking about this like, uh, have you heard of the Neuralink Speaking yes. of Elon Musk, who we've mentioned several times this show, we, we I get a kickback. I get an extra dollar every time <laughs> Elon Musk is mentioned in the show. Uh, drive Tesla, you know the. Um, right. How about this Hyperloop? <laughs> yeah, he. So the 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 uh, Neuralink. Uh, you know, it's going to be like internet in your head, essentially, which is scary in a lot of ways, um, but. Also, when you think about it, one of the ways I heard Elon Musk describe it, and I kind of, you know, they made me start thinking and and kind of Mm -hmm. got me on this uh, whole other path. But like, it kind of already is in our head, you know, in Mm -hmm. the way you just said, you know, you just, it's, you just put this tiny little earbud, some of them almost unseeable ostensibly, Mm -hmm. you know, inconspicuous in your ear and you're, you have, you know, you can just talk. And ask it questions, and it'll play something back. You can ask it to do something. You can ask information. Uh, ask it to translate languages. And, like, mm. it's not an implant into mm. your brain directly yet, although that's coming. But, like, <laughs> we're, we are so integrated with technology already. I mean, we have platforms that literally uh, know our likes, our dislikes, have algorithms based on what we engage with. I mean, it's creating a virtual profile uh, that thinks about the things we think about. Right. No, that's such an interesting point. So I've sort of alluded a little bit to the fact that I'm a professor of writing. And part of what the writing field does at the PhD level is realize that writing is a technology. So we think of computers as a technology. So you're on your computer, sure. it's a technology, but the pencil's a fucking technology. Yeah. You know, like well, language the is a art technology of writing and the ability to create an alphabet. These are technologies yeah. we've had for thousands of years. So when you think about being a cyborg, it's like, well, what technologies could you not live without? And those are the ways that you are already mediated, right? You are already like connected to this technology yeah. thing you couldn't live without and yeah the ear is a like the earbud is a great example because it's like yeah man like this is changing how i think and act and that's yeah it's really interesting yeah and it's not 
and it's in you know it's instantaneous because that information is is essentially given to you not quite as fast as a thought but not much slower right you know um and that's yeah so the fact that that's all 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 there already you can you know connect with people you know you're wearing that earbud and you're like call chris and then all of a sudden chris is in your head you know and you're talking to chris uh yeah you're like chris i'm meaning to tell you stop fucking calling me let's just text him now (laughs) yeah also weird that i only know one person named chris uh but you know anyway (laughs) um yeah, it, it's just it's a it's a very wild uh, future is crazy, crazy future future is crazy. crazy. But that's where we want to be if it, we could have that time machine. Yeah, that's true. I would I'd want to be further, but yeah, uh, I feel like now we're in that weird era of like CGI in 1999 when mm. they're like, we can do it, but it doesn't look the best. It doesn't look yeah. the worst. But it's not the best. But we're but because we can do it, we're gonna fucking do it everywhere. And you know, there's these movies. Uh, for instance, you know, I mean, famously, uh, you know, uh, the Star Wars prequels. Uh, you know, where George Lucas uh, was quoted as saying he'd he'd rather if he could he'd have all uh, CGI characters so he never had to work with an actor again, which is something you want out of a director. Um, and he yeah that's a good that's a that is the hallmark of a good director not wanting to work with actors ever um really really knows how to get a performance out of them um and it's so funny because i was like the clone wars and stuff like the later ones that were just all animated like yeah. the tv shows i was like oh that's kind of goofy so, but now i realized that it's like oh that's probably what george lucas wanted the whole time yeah, absolutely oh, that's so, so funny he, uh, uh but like you know there's there's cgi in there where you're like at the time, it was the best you had, but now, but even then, you're like, ah, this just doesn't quite, you know. Now CGI, you know, you watch a new Marvel movie, and you're like, this is this is looks better than real life. Uh, I can't do this. Um, but you know, you're like, it's obviously fake. You're like, ah, back then it was like we're in, the, in and I feel like we're in that era with uh, with that stuff in technology now. You're like, ah, it's gonna, it seems great now, kind of, but also, you know, in a couple of years, we're gonna be like, we were do, we had. Yeah, we're using yeah, headphones. That's right. We put something in our ear. Why? No, that's right. I think that. I think yeah, it's like synthesizers in the eighties. Like same thing. There you right? go. Yeah. Like no, this is all we can do. Let's just do it all. And then like eh, you know, you want it to be a sweetener of your life. You don't want it to be the only thing necessarily. Although right. I'm sure we'll lose people. That's always interesting, right? Like some people are just like, I'm still in it. You know, like I I started playing World of Warcraft in 2001. I've never stopped. You yeah. know, like, this is just me in an empty apartment which is yeah, whatever it's, that's how it is i guess well i mean you know like uh, i said earlier i don't play video games i do still have my original nintendo entertainment system uh i mean it's literally the same one i got in like 1989 wow. uh and it still works i still play it uh which is a testament to the uh quality of those things that bad boy has been a lot of places uh and it wow. still works that's incredible. Yeah. And, and I guess it also has like a defined place in your life, right? Because it's been there for 22 years or whatever. It's the longest relationship I've had by far. And that <laughs> includes my parents. Um, the Yeah. Which one do you call more often? The <laughs> Nintendo or? Definitely Nintendo. Uh, 
Yeah, well, to, to be fair, part of the reason it's the only gaming system I use is because it's the only one that I can uh, remember all the buttons, what they do. <laughs> Super Nintendo a little bit. After that, I'm like, I got nothing. You want? There's three joysticks. And the, pff, good that's luck, a lot. Good luck. Three joystick is a lot. No, that's, yeah, it's like, you can kind of tell how old somebody is by how many fingers they're willing to use when playing a game. It's like, yeah. somebody's like, well, I got to use all 10 fingers. What are you, nuts? I right. can't my pinkies barely function as it is there's no way and the buttons with the relationship i thought your comment was going in a very different direction (laughs) Uh, how hard do i press this one yeah (laughs) do i neglect this one to get what i want um (laughs) so uh, the nuclear option (laughs) well you know catholic uh neglect equals love um (laughs) god i never put that together even today it's weird, yeah. Neglect equals love, and I also say absence makes the heart grow fonder. Ugh, yeah, this is not great, Deese, but I appreciate the awakening. Yeah, I have I not to not to be that comedian that runs a bit in conversation, but I I, I will preface it by saying this is a bit. So, uh, I, I I did have this revelation. Uh, so so when I was a kid, my mom used to beat us with ping pong paddles. Um, that's a true story. Um, and then years later, it hit me. Like just a couple years ago, I had this revelation. I'm like, we never even had a ping pong table. Like this, <laughs> this like, like, like she just like acquired these paddles strictly to beat the shit out of us with, right? Like it wasn't like we also could play ping pong with them sometimes. Like that, that wasn't another option for these paddles. They had one purpose and none of them was not, that purpose had nothing to do with bringing joy. Uh, <laughs> I just picture your mom, like looking around the hard, go- like the, the sporting goods store, like a uh, Bruce uh, Willis in Pulp Fiction, yeah. like oh, golf club. No, no, yeah. no. no. Chainsaw, oh, no, too no, much, no. too much. Ping pong, yeah, all right. All right. yeah, easily stored. Um, and but uh, <laughs> the, the, the the analogy I always draw is that like a ping pong table would have enriched my childhood so much, like, I would have loved to have a ping pong table as a child. And I think as a Catholic, you'll 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 appreciate this, Lars. Uh, that would have enriched my childhood so much. And I feel like that's a perfect metaphor for Catholicism. Like anything in life that would bring you joy, they find a way to use it against you. So like that. That's perfect. What a great joke. No, that totally makes sense. Dude, that's so crazy that that happened. To, well, I assume it's true that no, you said it was true. Is that happening? I also got hit with the ping pong paddle. Really? Maybe that's what just was like it about Catholic the 90s mo- and hitting kids with ping pong <laughs> paddles. I mean, I guess it kind of looks soft, right? Yeah, but the- then depending where you get hit, it might or might not, right? Like, that's incredible. Yeah, that is. Maybe that's like a Catholic mom class day one. They're like handing out ping pong. Maybe they paddles. got the fucking. Oh, sorry, go on. No, no, that's right. Yeah, go ahead. Maybe they got the ping pong paddles from the church. Have you ever thought about that? Oh, yeah. All those undercroft activities. Like suddenly you just kind of picture your mom sliding into her purse. <laughs> or maybe, another, maybe. Oh, do you have a ping pong table? No. No. Yeah, maybe. Okay. Maybe if you donate uh, uh, 10% or you tithe 10%. For eight weeks straight, you get you get sunglasses, and then if you get to sixteen weeks, you get a ping pong paddle, paddle. and then you know at twenty weeks you get a you get a 
certificate for a personal pan pizza at Pizza mm-hmm. Hut. Uh, you know, it's like the Book It Club. That's right. <laughs> Book It. Why'd I get it? Where'd you get that ping pong paddle? Book It. I read my ass off. What do you use it for? Beating my kids. Yeah. Oh, of course. Of course. I read the Bible 12 times so I could beat the shit out of my kids with a ping pong paddle. Worth ever. Yeah, that's right. And it was actually a cheat, too, because it's like, well, there's books of the Bible, right? So, like, I read Maccabees 1. It's not (laughs) that long, but it counts as a book. And I got to get this pizza and this ping pong paddle with which to beat my children. (laughs) Second James is really short, but... uh... (laughs) Just a letter. Yeah, Yeah. it's just a post-it note to the Ephesians. Um, (laughs) Like... All right. Well, um, <laughs> Lars, I feel like we've covered a lot of ground here today. Uh, <laughs> we really uh, what's left? <laughs> yeah, we from Hitler to the Bible and back again. And uh, I think, yeah, I think that the moral compass, not that it matters, is sort of pointing north. I think we did a good job. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. this is great. I really had a good time. <laughs> um, Lars, before uh, before we go, tell again, tell everyone where they can find the podcast when it comes out, where they can find uh, you, social media, anything like that. Yeah, thanks. So the podcast is called The Money Source, premiering on May 5th uh, with me, Lars Soderlund, also Chad Johnson and Grant Yoder. Uh, I am at Sweden Sour, S-W-E-D-E-N-S-O-U-R on Twitter and Instagram. And then um, <laughs> on Facebook, there's something called The Lars Comedy Vault. Uh, I don't think there's any other Lars Comedy Vault, so it should direct you right to me. And that's where a lot of my stand-up kind of lives. Okay. And then there's a secret, Lars's secret comedy vault, which is the not safe for work stuff. It's not gross. It's just, you know, sure. it's the stuff I don't necessarily share as a professor. So, <laughs> Yeah, that makes sense, I assume. Yeah. Have any of your students seen you do stand-up? Yeah, so that's really interesting. I won't, we're going long. I won't go too long. But, like, they um, they love it. Not 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 like everybody, right? Yeah. And But my... I don't know, maybe it's an era thing. We could talk about it some other time. But um, growing up, if one of my teachers was like, I also do stand-up comedy, I'd be like, oh, I hate you. Because yeah. who wants to see a teacher's, you know what I mean? But I don't know if it's like the identity politics that have gone down or what, but kids, like not not a lot of, and they're college students, they're not kids, but yeah, a surprising number, like, oh shit. I guess because I'm also funny. Like, because I'm, I think my classes are pretty enjoyable. Yeah. And they're writing classes, so they're pretty chill. But yeah, students actually, my, my best comedy video, like 30 students came out. And so they made a great crowd. Um, and I don't, you know, I don't just joke about, you know, like being a teacher, obviously. Um, but yeah, it's surprising. It's actually, maybe my students are more open-minded than I was. I don't know. Well, there's probably a, a factor of that you're, what you said, 36? Yeah. Well, there's probably less of an age gap. I mean, when mm. you were, when you were in high school, your teacher was like 117 years old, probably. Right. That was like your youngest teacher. Yeah. So like, I mean, when we were kids, teachers were so old. Um, mm. So now, you know, you're talking about people who are in their twenties and mm. someone who's like, you know, not their age, but not like, uh, like, not like this authority figure of, of much, much older. So, totally. um, and comedy is like, uh, kind of cool, right? cool no that's right and and there's something also kind of darker about it although i think it's benefited me and that's like education especially college now is like a customer service endeavor so you know like would you you know for a teacher who's trying to block you from getting that a would you want to see them do comedy maybe not but a teacher who's trying to be helpful and welcoming that's a thing like college now is pretty dope like yeah we all rely on enrollment so we just want students to do well we're not trying to give students f's for no reason so it's like a teacher's trying to help you 
maybe is a different kind of person yeah. than the teacher who's just trying to like fuck you, <laughs> you know, like and jip you out of that's not a term we use anymore, but you know, it's trying to get you know, stop you from getting the A and right. moving into the college and all that stuff. So yeah, a little different. So uh right on. All right. Well, uh everyone go listen to the money source when it comes out. Do you have any tips off the bat first for you making a podcast? What's the one tip you'd give people to make money? Do you got any yet? Yeah. So my sense, and I wonder how you feel about this too, is it seems like you're, if you want to get into something, you have to get into it pretty organically. So Mm -hmm. like, if you want a following, you have to be in that community enough that you know, the other podcasters who are doing that you're participating with your fans on Twitter, that kind of stuff. So you can do a thing and be great, but to get the critical mass, I think you actually have to be immersed in the community and interested in your fans in order to get that ball rolling that makes sense all right uh well guys go follow lars on uh, all social media keep an eye out for the money source make sure you listen and subscribe when it comes out and send him your questions uh so you can get them answered and uh you can start your own podcast so uh lars anything else before we get out of here no, thanks, Deez. This is great, man. I yeah. love your shows, and it's been a real pleasure to be on. Thank you. This is fun. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, let's uh, do it again soon. So, um, all right, guys. Uh, for the social hour again, for me, go to uh, deescomedy.com. Check out everything uh, going on. We uh, have a lot of shows coming up. Uh, big announcement with uh, the theater. We got hooked up with in Spokane, so we're gonna be doing some regular shows. So. Uh, keep an eye out for that coming soon too uh but otherwise guys again uh, make sure and follow lars and uh as for me uh that's it i've been Dees, and for lars thanks very much guys and we will see you next week 